back to another episode of Carpet Bagger. I am, uh, I've been on the road the last week and a half or so. And, uh, I'm currently sitting in a hotel room in New York recording this. But yesterday, I was in Paris and had the chance to talk to a wonderful and delightful human being, uh, Leah Gillis. Who I've known for some time now. Uh, she is a expat journalist living in Paris. Uh, she really loves uh, 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 astrology. Excuse me. Wow. I haven't been on a lot of flights recently. Um, no, she loves astrology. She loves journalism. She has an enviable uh, amount of hope. And a desire to make the world a better place, which I find uh, admirable. And um, we had a fun, wide-ranging conversation. I'm trying, I'm trying to slip in a couple of people who aren't directly in the food industry, but are still connected to it. Because let's face it, you know, I have friends that are all in all all sorts of different walks of life and I find all of them inspiring in different ways and I think uh we can learn a bit of something from everybody um I really hope you enjoy this I think it was a fun conversation I uh like to egg her on uh by pretending that I don't see any faults at all with capitalism um you know, am I pretending? <laughs> no, uh, no. Obviously, there are f- many, many flaws, and there. I still, I still believe there's a version of it that's going to save the planet. But that's a conversation for another day, and I uh, look forward to pissing everybody off with that one. Uh, please enjoy my conversation with Leah Gillis, if you so choose. This is Carpetbagger. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. Okay, perfect. Hi. You really do have the classic, the classic uh, a- a- Apple AirPods with the cable. Yeah, it's one of the, one of the best goddamn mics in the business. It's incredible. I'm old school. I just You're don't classic. trust the others. I'm classic. classic. This is what we call there it. There you <laughs> go. See, this is how this is how we say it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having technical issues with my new computer. So there we go. Hi. It's okay. I'm having technical issues all the time because I'm in another country and I'm having technical issues with the water in the bathroom right now, which is so much fun. Um, but as soon as I finish recording this with you, they're going to move my room and everything will be fine. Ah. Ah. Fancy. The delights of old, travel, right? <laughs> ah. Old hotels. Wouldn't it be nice if you just like had a problem at your home or apartment and they just moved your home that would be just like actually no let's we're just gonna upgrade you and move you it's so funny because these are the things you know when people think of traveling it's never these things that happen right it's never Mm. the old building and plumbing and you're moving and you can't flush the toilet like nobody ever thinks of that it's just the glamour of paris or something you're like i mean the reality is no there's a lot of old buildings and it's fun that's part of the charm as i choose to see it because you're a, a joyful optimist. 
You know, it's really nice that you see me that way. Because I know, I'm going to keep saying it. It'll I've, happen. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that not everybody thinks I'm a joyful optimist. Uh, I do. I do think I'm relatively joyful, but thank you so much. Of course, I'm talking to the wonderful Leah Gillis, who is a journalist uh, from the United States living in Paris currently. I think you're considering moving back to America, and I really want to get into what could possibly be prompting you to make that decision later on. Um, because <laughs> the world's on fire everywhere is the show. Oh, term. yes, yeah, the world's I know, on fire everywhere. I know, yeah, I know. I, it's I, I love it when when people hear that I, you know, I want to live here at least part time, and and uh, we're both in Paris. In case any of you out there listening or wondering why I'm what I'm speaking of but uh and it, it's always they're like oh you, I mean you know it's just as bad there like they have their own problems and I'm like yeah I'm aware okay it's just I just like there's something about having my cortado in front of a 13th century church that I kind of happen to like I don't know oh. what you fucking losers are doing but you know <laughs> so here, no argument for this, me I just I mean... enjoy this so I'm sorry I enjoy getting delicious fresh lettuce for a euro. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh. Like I like these things. These are the, the you yeah. know cheese as a quality of mm-hmm. life, a quality cheese pastry. Amount of quality for like that's the other misconception that people have about France and Paris in particular. And I you know I come here a lot. I, I think last year was like five times or so, which is not it's not enough, but it's still more than most people do. Of course, uh, I would venture to say. And being the one percenter you are, <laughs> oh, fuck that is not true. Just a humble um, man from I, the middle I, of California. I know. I've got I, I, yes, I am. I am. But uh, I'm just a humble cook. Um, I just I just like nice places. Um, and. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, that is the other misconception. People are just like, oh my God, it's so like, how do you do that? It's so expensive there. It's like, it is so much cheaper here than in Los Angeles. My cost of living. um, Yeah, my cost of living. So I've been a freelance journalist for a minute. I've been in France for seven years. And when I got here, the idea was I was coming to finish my first book. I'll be here for a year. And so the idea is I've never been, you know, I've been in both places because I work and do everything in the state. So I just, um, I got here and my cost of living from living in Los Angeles in a third, it went in a third. And I try to explain to people, like people say rents are so much. I'm like, it's not like it is back home. And then they say this, I'm like, the food is not and the quality is higher. When I left Los Angeles, I can't explain to you what a carnivore (laughs) pizza lover, cheese lover I am. It's pizza is my favorite food group. Pepperoni and salami are life. Um, I love it. But when we're going to have to get into your top, your top pizza places in Paris too. Uh, it's a sad list. It doesn't really exist. This is the problem. It's there's terrible. A, there's, I've, I've only found one that I genuinely like, but yeah. Anyways, um, please continue. But the quality of life here was just so much more when I got here and people have this conception because when I got here, when I left Los Angeles, I couldn't really eat meat there. Like American meat was not working with my body. And it got to a point, a lot of my friends are kosher. I was eating just kosher meat on Friday nights. That was okay. But then it got to the point where I couldn't really eat cheese because my body, and I don't know what's going on with the food in America. This was seven, eight years ago. 
When I got to France, I started eating meat, eating cheese, and it was fine. And now when I go back to the States, I'll go back for six weeks. I mean, sometimes I go shorter, but I go for these long stays. My body, the adjustment, it's a thing. And when you talk to mm. Americans living here, when we go back, you know, when we go back yeah. to spend time, our systems need a readjustment. That's a real litmus for me of the food quality and what we're imbibing. Like, I don't care, you know, there's yeah. studies, there's tests. I'm a journalist. I know the food quality is different, but that's, it's that's interesting. not small. And no, and there is there is very high quality both meat and cheese there and we import a lot of incredible cheese from france um and there is very high quality meat available in the u.s like we have incredible places like standings butchery and all these other spots but there that is a it's a premium it's not just like the basic like you could yes there there are there are a plethora of incredible butcher shops and uh poisson years and everything here in in paris but it is i mean you could you could go into a, a grocery store and the just the chicken off the shelf that you get is like the flavor and quality is is crazy compared to what it's we're just getting better and that's that's part of the thing that you know i came here for a year and it's just it's this just total better. romance that's of- your that's your pull quote it is. It's just better. And, but my but my thesis yeah. is that it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, the French and Europeans are trying to get their food sources even better. You know, they won't yeah. they don't want any in it. And they're already upset about the levels that food quality here is degrading with, you know, big interests and in things. But in the States, it's like, well, we we can do that, too. You know, we don't have to live this way. And that's sort of after spending more time here than in the States. It was like, well, we've just sort of accepted things that we don't have to, you know, and of course the protests here and people acting, it's like, yeah, why are we accepting food? That's not good quality on the regular. It shouldn't be a premium. You know, I'm a, I'm a regular food eater. You know, you're, you're a chef and a foodie and know all these people, which I love and I do partake, but I, you know, when I'm working, I got to get stuff at the grocery store. I got to be practical and I shouldn't suffer. And here, no matter what part of town you're in, you get a salad, it's going to be delicious fresh salad yeah. it's going to be delicious red onion it's you know food deserts here n- not so much so that's something that i just realized well if if we're supposed to be this great country and have all these things i mean we know that we are not and when you see it on the regular it's like no we don't have to live this way americans so no, we don't and you know they are somehow doing all of this without any air wands which is kind of crazy to me <laughs> although um, i will say that's the one thing that france cannot do there's like two things i've discovered in my time food wise <laughs> and they're both drinks related well actually three so the coffee no bueno but it's smoothies there, there are good the there smoothies. are good coffee shops here it's there, just oh, not there, as common okay. there are some but on the regular we're yes. talking on the regular we're talking yes. on the regular it's no bueno um I know, I know. but the thing is smoothies french have oh, tried to do these yes. smoothies in no. the summer and i just look at them very like, watery oh, God. It's, but, it's not the same thing but some American could come over here and just completely take over the smoothies. Yeah, can you imagine? Do you imagine <laughs> what Haley Bieber could do with smoothies here in Paris? I'm saying it's an opportunity, and I'm down yeah. for it because when it's hot here, you just kind of want like you know a salad and a drink, and yeah. nobody really does it so well everywhere. And the French are very much about accepting that. So you know, different foods and and trying things. Um, so anyway, smoothies. Somebody yeah. could take it over. Smoothies, business opportunity, free idea here. 
on uh, Carpetbagger podcast. Just you know, fucking make smoothies in Paris. You're gonna make why not? Why not? That are that are slightly thicker than you know water, because that just, seems to that's... be basically what it is here. And it's just it's like for... lightly colored water. And then they put apple in everything. I'm like, what? What are you doing? I don't understand. I like, but... Yeah, I mean, I like. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like juices, but. Yeah, if you're doing a smoothie, it's got a, it's a it's a specific thing. But coming here from LA, that was definitely like a, one of those staples of life in LA. So I got here and I thought, oh, and some places started doing it. In seven years, it hasn't even gotten better. So yeah, somebody Good could Lord. absolutely take that. Okay, uh-huh. so you've been here for seven years. Yeah. And what I mean, what was the <clears throat> what was the what do you think the biggest challenges were for you adjusting? Was it just a fucking cakewalk or? Yeah, it was I, totally- also, but like working through this, like. You know, you you're coming from working in journalism in the U.S. and NBC and everything else. Like, what? How did you yeah. adjust to being a freelance journalist in another fucking country? Okay, I didn't plan on that happening. So all this has been sort of very one could Great. say ass backwards. I mean, I'm six plants yeah. of Sagittarius, so just kind of fell into it. Loved being abroad. Plans. I hope somebody come... knows what that means. Oh, we're going to talk about astrology because <laughs> even though I'm a, you know this, I'm a crime reporter and I'm an astrologer, but it's sort of. Uh, what a led great me combo. that way. Yeah, that's me. Oh god. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you love it when I talk astrology. <laughs> so, um, a Capricorn's dream. So, um, <laughs> I I came here thinking I'd be here for a year. I'd sort of saved up enough money, first time in life, and thought, okay, I'll go and finish and sell my first book, um, which is a mm. memoir about my time at NBC News, where I was a staffer for five years. Covered. I got into news um, for a timeline. Couple weeks before we heard about a woman named Monica Lewinsky, Never which ve- which very much colored my experience as a young female journalist because you know the patriarchy and men. So yeah, I got I into news- for her one night actually. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, um, lovely I person. Just, it was just at the same time I'm watching what happened to her as a young woman watching all these older you know lecherous men. So. Um, and I was at NBC News where, you know, Matt Lauer. So, um, but as a journalist, I got to Did cover. Something incredible... happened to Matt Lauer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, something so happened to a lot of us. Something has happened to a lot of us around Matt Lauer. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so I covered a lot of amazing. I was in Florida for three weeks for the Bush Gore recount, uh, okay. September 11th. Um, I covered that. I was downtown for months because I was at 30 Rock the day that happened. So, um, so mostly was, small local stories. Super small, yeah. super local. Um, tested yeah. for anthrax, covered the UN, um, covered the UN. Okay. So as we were getting into Iraq, and then I finally quit because I got into news to make the world a better place. And I was seeing that wasn't exactly happening with my work at NBC. Um, you know, there'd been a lot of cutbacks, a lot of journalists. There weren't many of us working. So how can you really cover things very well when you sort of don't have the time or resources um, mm-hmm. corporate interest versus, you know, the job well, on the of- business. And, and I'm curious to hear your take on this, but I feel like, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what year we're talking about that you're leaving, but I think there's such a, I'm curious what you see as like the timeline for the business model starting to change because now we have, whether it's, you know, actual news or news about, you know, food or whatever else. It's like, Everything is just driven by the number, you know, the getting a headline on it that gets the most amount of clicks that you can sell the most amount of ads. It's like, it's a very, it is, it's on, honestly, and I say this as a unapologetic 
a fan of of capitalism i think it's just fucking it's disgusting Oof. like it drives me fucking crazy like Oof. it is it is a <laughs> i'm <Oof>. slightly apologetic <laughs> about it okay um but no i do i think it, it's insane as i see just the the kind of incredibly bland shitty journalism that's happening because it's just like you're just fucking putting stuff out not you obviously but putting stuff out to with a you know a catchy fucking headline to get people to click on it off of instagram or tiktok or wherever they're consuming their stuff and it's of course like every the the way we consume is going to change with technology and social media but we've got it's gone so completely commercial that they're like that the most uh it, it's it's amplifying the most uh extreme viewpoints on both sides and i'm not a fan of either side in that regard like it is it is of the political discourse in america especially and i'm sure you're seeing it happen everywhere but how, like how did you see that on start unfolding coming from that time period yeah so there is a brilliant book called three blind mice that i read mm. Um, in the end of the 90s, and it came out in the beginning of the 90s. And it's a book that is a tome that is about the history of network news. And I read it because as a liberal arts major, um, it's quite dense, but as a liberal arts major, I wanted to get into news and journalism, and I needed to learn about it, right? So I read this book, and it very much prepared me in alarming ways, but was good preparation for the fact that the business model of what network news had changed and basically had gotten eroded by the time I got there. So the idea basically being that when the networks were allowed into every American's home, they had to do some public service and that's what the news hours were. However, with Mm. capitalism, your love, which we're gonna change eventually, uh, it's already eroding (laughs) in you, I know it is. But this idea is um, over the years, laws got eroded and oversight, particularly in the 70s, by the end of the 70s, oversight of network news was eroded. And basically in the 80s, which is, you know, the dynasty, Dallas, money, Reagan, so many problems from that era, um, financially particularly, um, it eroded so much that there was no oversight. And basically when I got there at the end of the 90s to network news, the idea was it was profits. It was about profits. I remember being so Mm. shocked when I learned that the Today Show was technically under entertainment. And there was, you know, 10 minutes of news at the top at that time. But it, it was a wake up call for me because I got into news, um, into journalism to do proper journalism. And that's when I realized the lines were blurring. Then with mm. blogging, and I read about this in um, my memoir, which I am still endeavoring to sell. But the idea of when blogging came in, it further blurred people's perception of what a news story was. And I knew that was very dangerous. And I talked with friends of mine who made fortunes in that because I was like, what you guys are doing is no bueno and you're dulling people's senses to what is fact and what is not. And, you know, people are busy doing their jobs. They expect professionals to do the work. And when professionals blur the lines, we, you know, decades on have what we have now, which is people very clearly not being able to tell right from wrong. And so I can quantify it with an example of September 11th. So I'm in 30 Rock very early that morning, got the calls, and then, you know, days went um, being there for days on end. And what we started to do, because there was so much information, was we started doing more crawls on the screen. 
And the crawls were necessary because we had three locations of planes down. We had, and it was a lot. It's so, so much information that you had to convey in a very limited. And those stayed on for basically yeah. 24 hours a day for several days, but then it kept staying on because we were MSNBC. I worked for them too and NBC News. But the idea was these crawls stayed. And I remember a few weeks into it, because it was really that long that we were red alert with all this info. I remember turning to the manager in the office and being like, okay, well, when are these coming down? And they looked at me and they were like, and walked on. And I'm like, wait, we have to, like, we're not at red alert. I mean, it's bad, but they've never come down. Nope. It's 23 years later. And so these are the things that I point to that at the time I was this, oh, she's so young. And oh, she's so like, no, we're supposed to give people a sense of urgency. And that's why we've just had more and more and more sort of hmm. hysteria, but also proper, you know, when people say testerical, which I think is genius too. Um, this notion <laughs> that it's kept it at a level where people can't see. So you turn on the news and even if it's, you know, I mean, obviously we're always red alert because there's wars, yeah. but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not at that level we were at where we thought we were getting attacked every day, but it's never yeah. come down. And that's the responsibility that people haven't changed. Hmm. And people don't realize that. But when I talk to, you know, whether newsies or people that are still in the, you know, still in TV, I've switched to print because I think that it's more um, thoughtful. Um, yeah. You know, PBS is good. I, I like to follow people ask me who I follow. I follow individuals. I follow journalists. Um, that's why I liked Twitter because I could follow people and get the news from them from various sources and various um, points of view which you talked about, but I think the main point of view is just people that are pro humanity and goodness everywhere. Um, how we get there can vary. That but seems hard to find. It, it, you know, it seems there are a lot of people. It's just, if you look at the people running these main entities that are shouting at us that have the airwaves or, you know, the voices you would think, but that's the part of freelance and being um, sort of in the world talking to people it's what i love about you know still being anonymous is just being able to talk yeah. to people more people are good more people are for good um yeah i do I, yeah, I think it's it's important to maintain uh despite all evidence to the contrary you know faith and and humanity i'm curious because you you mentioned this briefly in passing but it's something that i've been thinking a lot about lately and we've talked i think some about this in the past um you mentioned, you know, the people at the top, and uh, there was a quote from something you wrote, I think, last June that I forgot to write down, but to the same effect. And I think, I think there's there's a a very real aspect where we, you know, our culture has promoted, you know, people with the right connections, the right families, you know, it, it's there's a reason that people at the top of most news organizations, et cetera, were a certain type of person. Um, the, to be fair, there's also, you know, the, the Sumner Redstones and people like that who are like these mass people, like they came from totally different backgrounds and very little money and built themselves up. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, no one does it by themselves. Um, but I think that there's, I think it's incredibly important that, you know, one of the things that's coming out of the culture right now and the changes that are being implemented is a much, and I know it's going to take time for this to be really real, but a much uh, 
making these positions, these, you know, the heads of these different organizations, the, the, you know, to use a term that everybody likes to use in a negative way, the gatekeepers, um, making those positions more accessible to a broader range of person, people from different walks of life, people from different educational backgrounds, different racial and ethnic backgrounds. That is really, really fucking important. But I think, and from my perspective, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this, I think the kind of blanket uh, railing against the fact that there are gatekeepers at all is resulting in a another problem because a gatekeeper, you know, is just an editor, essentially. Like, you know, a magazine needs an editor, a gallery or a museum needs a curator, a kitchen needs a chef to have a vision. You know, there is a, I think that those positions are important. And when we don't have people with a clear vision and that want to say something, there's just, or say something or have a, you know, in news, obviously you need to be objective as as possible uh, or used to be. Um, but that you need to at least have a, uh, you know, a clear idea and understanding of the issues and be able to, you know, intellectually process everything and direct the ship correctly. But there's such a, as these kind of the, the goal, the, um, the heads of these organizations are constantly under attack and in most cases, rightfully so. There's now there's these like leadership vacuums where now everybody is just saying whatever, you know, everybody has a voice, everybody. And in some cases, I think that's great. And we're seeing people yet, you know, people who have a uh, an intelligent way of um, relaying information, whether it's, to, you know, you're seeing a lot of people get their news from these other social media channels and finding people. But I think that can also be dangerous because you have, you don't have a legal department at the New York times that's fact checking everything and making sure that you're like, you're not just spreading information. That's uh, bullshit. Yeah. Um, But I'm curious. I mean, do you think that's as big of a problem as I think it is, or do you see it differently? You mean the people at people screaming at the people at the top? Because I don't think that's a problem. Well, I mean, I, I think that obviously, I think you know, there's a lot of people at the top that need to be screamed at. A hundred percent. There's some fucking the culture of kind of unchecked uh, power for those positions is not good or healthy, and it's resulted in a lot of fucked up, giving power to a lot of really shitty people. Um, but I do think that we need editors and we need curators oh. and we need people who are actually like lead, like leading these of course things of course that, that's just the issue so i got into so i from brookline massachusetts went to wesleyan university speak to i mean i had the went to parties at Priscillian club at harvard i mean i had the hmm. pedigree along the lines i remember bosses yeah. joking about well yale wesleyan harvard you know i'm in the little three ivies meaning i was in that <laughs> circle yeah. but as I, as I say, I'm sort of like a, you know, revolutionary in J crew disguise at the time because I got in <laughs> and they thought, Oh, this is going to be one just like us. And then you're a preppy with my, socialist with all my questions, uh, you know, my, you know, what's going on here and why are we doing this? It very, became clear. I'm not. And I quit a staff mm-hmm. job at NBC network news at 27. I mean, those, 
there are not a lot of those. And I could have rode that out for the rest of my life. Um, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't look myself in the mirror and know what I was doing every day wasn't actively making better choices. Because as you say, people are editing what you see, you know? And so this notion of we're supposed to be totally in the middle, that's not true. If somebody's killing somebody, you don't stay in the middle, right? That's not the job. Where it gets tricky is because it takes, you, you editorialize. No matter what you do, you take a fact, you editorialize that. You can take a statistic and cut it many different ways. Because if you look at how that statistic was gathered, likely the parameters are not what they say. So this is what okay, we're that, seeing now with economic indicators. People are saying, yeah. what's going on with these debts? They've never been okay. That I learned senior year Wesleyan intro to econ, which I wish I took sooner because it showed me the systems are very much skewed because people are skewing them because people do that. It's just human nature. We can get into the evils of that and intentionality, which I think is clear, but that's where with news, who is deciding matters. And so I got into news. And I remember I would pitch stories for nightly news. Uh, we don't do those stories. It's a pretty geriatric show. A lot of the viewers are older. They don't want to see stories. Wait, but that's, if we're just giving people what they want, that's not what we're here for. We're actually here to tell and to talk about important issues. But that's where, you know, my view of what we were supposed to do versus numbers and, you know, the game of TV and the changing standards of what network TV became and has become, which is yeah. sad because journalists, the camera guys and women that I worked with doing incredible work. It's the, it's corporate interests. It's other things at play to your point that are mm -hmm. making these decisions. That's true. I think you said something a minute ago that gave me pause. Cause I, and I'm, I, I'm, I want to just clarify it. I think you know, you said, you know, if the if someone's killing something, someone, then you're not just, you know, you you take a stance on it. Why not? I think. But isn't the goal of new like what news in its purest form should be is just relaying facts of what's happening. And letting people come to their own conclusions. Like, I think news has become very opinionated and very colored by. um human perspective and i think like you said anytime we are re you know everyone's played games of telephone at parties like anytime you relay information <laughs> you are going to affect it by the way you think about it whether it's conscious or unconscious yeah and that's you know it's like you know whenever somebody's you know telling you know a, a, an oral history or something's been passed down of course it's been colored by generations of people and their perspective on it but it's in some cases all that we have um but i do i mean you talk about this notion of facts and yeah. things are supposed to be facts okay so are, a facts, fact, are facts even real anymore oh yeah <laughs> I mean, they are. Okay. But the point is to take a fact and put it put it into context that that brings about wisdom and knowledge. That's the responsibility. What you say is this notion that does not exist. There's no such thing as a fact that is clean, that is delivered, that is clean, uh, rarely of any sort of bias. So, for example, if you look at videos of the 60s and the civil rights movement, I was just in Atlanta, which is incredible. If you go, you must see all the museums. Um, but you look at the newscasts and, uh, you know, I think for the times and who was running, which is just, you know, a bunch of white dudes, um, 
you look at those newscasts and if, you know, anybody that was black or a woman at the time would have a lot of problems because first of all, you see no talk about the plight of women at all. But then you hear a point of view of, you know, the police were, at, you know, uh, the way that they word the protesters is taking a point of view, you know? So the police mm -hmm. were trying to quell riots. Well, people had nothing and were being killed for nothing. So do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. taking a fact. And so nowadays it has so gotten blurred in a good way because people are questioning the facts, which they should. Again, I'm not, the problem is there are no resources for news groups if if they're trying to do their best right there aren't enough people to actually break apart a press release so by the time i was there george bush would say something and the white house would say something and we just sort of put it on air and we were yeah. trusting the u.s government which hi i'd gone to school we should know we don't do that because hello <laughs> good morning and that was back then but nowadays yeah. it's even less people and so the questioning is needed it's just become a period no, where true. It's, we can't, you know, it, there's always a point of view. So now, rightly, people are questioning the U.S. government and things, but, you know, it's sort of always been this way. And that's what's difficult because people are wrestling with these things like they're new. And that's where being in France, where it's like, hi, there's a reason why protests are powerful here. Because unfortunately, a few hundred years ago, they off the heads of leaders that didn't care when people had no food. I do not want that to ever continue and yet we have people with greed that don't want to share and don't want to give. And so, you know, we're in these times, which is part of why I want with my journalism and how I try to talk about issues to be more merciful. First of all, I think that is one of the worst things that we've gotten um, in these systems of patriarchy is just this notion of well, they're bad and they have to go to jail. And it's like, well, let's try to be merciful to each other and where we can allow people a way back so that we can change these systems so that they serve more. And basically, we get better pizza and food everywhere for everyone. <laughs> there you go. That's the end goal for everything. Yeah, basically. And then, you know, and and I yeah. yes, I think yeah. uh, there's what's what in okay from that perspective. Then what what is the what's the fucking solution? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, all of these organizations are businesses. All of the news organizations are businesses. I was watching something. Capricorn. I've been seeing a lot going on. You know, obviously, you know, the LA Times just laid off a bunch of people. And I know a lot of people there. And so everyone's freaking out. And it's like, yeah, I feel I feel bad that people are losing their jobs. But it's also like these are businesses now and they're not making money. And I think they're in my personal view i think that they're focusing so much on putting stories out that get clicks that no one actually like giving when you give focus on giving everybody what they want you don't actually please fucking anybody because there is no you you're you're not supposed to make everybody happy you're supposed to put yeah. stuff out there and it's going to piss some people off but they're going to keep fucking reading because it pisses like you're supposed to cause a putting information out there whether it's art or news or anything is not going to make everyone happy. And if you appeal to as many human, uh, as many people as possible, you will become a fucking, not to shit on vanilla because it's delightful, but you become <laughs> as this very fucking bland. There's no point. There's no perspective. There's no, uh, there's, there's no, no heart bite to anything, you there's know? No and heart. it just, there's no heart. And it's just, you know, it's like, and this, there, there was another, there was an article in the LA Times, funnily enough, a couple weeks before about, 
the plight of restaurants and all these restaurants that close. And oh. it's like, yeah, it sucks that restaurants close, but sometimes the food isn't good. The location was wrong and the guy's heart wasn't in. I've been that person. I've been that chef. I've opened restaurants to distract myself from a divorce. And it was, the food was fucking great. It's some of the food that I'm most proud of in my career, but the location was wrong. I went into yeah. a deal that I never should have gone into because yeah. I just needed to do something because I was going fucking crazy. And right. thankfully I've had a lot of therapy since then and, you know, found more ways to make up some of the money I lost. But I think there's, you know, we, we get into this, like, I got, I, this is going to make me sound like such a dick, which I think a lot of things I say do, but, um, we, and yet there you're is like this. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice of you to say. Um, we do have a bit of this like participation trophy culture mentality <laughs> where it's just like, we're like, Oh my God, I can't believe if you talk to half the chefs of those, they're doing just fine. Like they're moving They're you know, somebody, really? I was talking to a journalist so who like, they were like, there wasn't, uh, there was this one restaurant in the article. A chef is a friend of mine and they were just closing this restaurant and they were lamenting the closing of the thing. He's like, he's opening two more restaurants in a month. Like, He's got something in, you know, in uh, uh, a city in Japan that I was just in that I'm yeah. blanking on the name of right this... now. It's He's fine. It just yeah. it was time to close that thing. It didn't make yeah. sense anymore. It's a business. Yeah. This is where also, so had I not quit, you know, NBC, I wouldn't have known this either. I think most people in any career need to take time off and step away. And I think a yeah. lot of times journalists that have had long time bylines, a long time, uh, you know, they're in it. They can't see outside of it, which is just and especially a part with the of life. Of pressure and deadlines they're under now because everyone's yeah. fucking overworked and understand. But, but they're also not uh, to your point. If they're putting out stories that aren't actually true or helpful to the industry and to people's lives, like that's, that's an issue. And I think part of that issue is just perspective. And one of the things I see here, meaning outside the States, is a greater appreciation, I think that's what's happening in the world, is for people to be doing different careers at different parts of their life, right? So that you get perspective. Because if you're constantly covering a beat, sometimes you can't see outside of it to see what the real issues are and how things are affecting it because you've been in it so long. Case in point, journalists who cover a beat, they become that beat. I remember one of my questions at NBC was thinking, how am I going to cover my friends? Right. My mm. friends who worked at, then at Lehman's or Goldman and it sort yeah. happens and they're in it. And I remember talking to some, you know, uh, and it was rare that people were sort of questioning this because they just kind of went along. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's not the same thing. And I remember thinking this is a serious problem. There were a couple of news stories where people I know on a low level were involved and it really caused me pause. I was like, well, if I to do this job, I'm going to blow up my personal life, my friends, because yeah. of principles and morals, which happen, but it doesn't really happen. So I would start to go to these parties and notice the journalists were friends with these guys and they were marrying them and they were going to parties. And I'm like, well, this doesn't seem to make sense because it's gonna color and your, not that yeah. you have to hate each other, but there's just no. this tension and this us and them. It should be a healthy distrust. Yeah. And well, and distance and that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I would say your beloved, um, you know, capitalism, um, people having these corporate, well, because you rightfully pointed yeah. out, it's a business, right? So people have yeah. business interests. 
one of the things in this time of being sort of freelance and, and being out of the wheel was I sort of found myself started studying things that I never thought I would like spiritualities and things like that, but astrology. And um, because sure. there has to be some picture and reason why certain things happen to people and certain p- things don't. And looking at business models and the way this world is created, it's just not sustainable. We don't have food. We don't have water. I mean, these are basics and people are talking about TikToks. Like, but the yeah. point is but you're saying businesses TikTok don't is... have money, but they do yeah. have money. Businesses yeah. have money. News organizations yeah. are owned by bigger companies that have shares. They're choosing how they spend their money and they're but choosing they're also how they not give it back. going to you know, it's like the the people in a lot of cases, these business news organizations now are being bought by very wealthy people. They're also just by nature and regardless of whether or not they could afford it. Nobody wants to operate a business at a loss. That's just losing money constantly. So that's what I'm trying to figure out is or get to the bottom. It's like, where, what do you actually think the solution is? if if news organizations as they are do not make money and we're just cutting jobs and changing the way we tell the news and, and trying to please as many people as possible, that's clearly not working. There's, there's not actually, like they are not making more money. Well, because they're run by this mentality of capitalism. And so there is, I was just actually at an event a couple of months ago at Le Monde here in France and the news agency, which has U.S. offices, they have a model where the employees are part owners and their business model is doing very, 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 very well. Um, So there are actually examples of big news entities that are doing well. I think a lot of the business models, period, are going to have to change because they are not serving people, which is why we have massive problems in America with people not being able to afford housing doesn't matter what career you're in. People are just not earning enough money. And it's not because there's not enough money out there. It's because those at the top are saying, oh, we've got to keep our costs high. No, they're creating a lower class and a few at the top. So there's intentional decisions being made by businesses and people in the financial sector, which unfortunately, historically, never reap good rewards. It's this boom and bust that we keep seeing continuing, whether it's the Morgans and, you know, from the early 1900s and the robber barons and things, it's a a repeat of that, which frustrates me because I'm like, can we just learn from history, but also more violently is the French history, right? Which we can change. I mean, can we though? I mean, we've, since we we fucking came out of the primordial ooze or however, the, however you want to believe (laughs) this happened, at the end of the day, we're animals like everything else we may have a i don't even know if i can confidently say we have a higher level of intelligence or even a better communication system but uh i do no, i think like trees win. We, we, trees, trees yeah trees, trees and win. mushrooms trees right trees went yeah they went um but i think like we we have always had like there is a basic urge or instinct to for comfort and safety and like we've been killing each other and taking each other's shit for a long goddamn time i feel like this is where we always get to we always get to no but we're on like no but we can change because if we think listen i know i've changed and grown over my life you have too i'm not and i equate that to if we individually can change and grow for the better meaning being more thoughtful caring 
collectively responsible people, we can create our systems to be that end as well. And I give the example of France, you know, Americans like to think, oh, we're so great. I'm like, okay, if France does it, why can't we? Because if you want to say we're so great and this country that you think is like not as great as us is doing these things, then guess what? Because during COVID, people got money. Wasn't a big deal. Friends getting healthcare in the States. Versus, I have many friends that come here to give birth. It's better. Mm. It's safer. It's cheaper. They pay. It's great. Um, there's a lot of things people, and they know this, they know it's a privilege, but also they they have the ability to know that it's better in France than the States, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't need to be this way. And so I feel like Yes, the world is on fire and it's horrible and I see it firsthand, but I have to tell you one of the best parts of being a journalist is you also see the goodness. You see people running to help. You know, there's so many, I mean, for every horrible event that is, you know, I have the PTSD from all the stories and, you know, the recent ones, there is so much more good that comes. People run to help, people give, people care. And we just have these systems that aren't reflecting that. And I do think it's as simple as that. And I think changing it is as simple as that. But we people like to complicate things, right? I mean, we can yeah. complicate love. We can complicate a kindness between a person. So, you know, you take it bigger. Good but Lord, is it ever fucking complicated. I, I, but I think yeah. if we, and this is part of what I think the work is now, and definitely my work is to remind people and to inform with facts and stories, you know, murders don't happen where we don't know the answer very often, you know, somebody knows something. Um, same too with financial choices of a company. You know, we talk about companies like Ben and Jerry's or ones that actually give back to employees and do a percentage of share. That can be the norm. And then you have yeah. a society where everybody from people washing the floors, which is as important because cleanliness uh, to the yeah. people on the top. And But there's this notion in the States of classism that honestly being in Europe, there's respect you pay to every shopkeeper you walk in, you say bonjour, you say, you know, you do your kindnesses. I mean, there's a real, in a, in a way, respect that we don't have in, in the States that, again, to me is just so sad. I mean, I walk into most of the, you know, public restrooms in a park or something, and they're beautiful. They're well-maintained. <clears throat> in the States, yeah. if you have to use a toilet at Santa Monica, you, you are will not scum. use it. But it's your scum. That's also yeah. like, wait a second. In what world does me walking down the beach and having to go to the bathroom mean that I don't deserve it? Meanwhile, what is our money going to? So this is what I'm saying. There's been such a disconnect from how we talk about things and what we expect that it's like bringing it back to the basics, which the world needs. And um, yeah, astrology is also showing. We, yeah, I mean, to be fair, Santa Monica does have some uh, relatively good looking public restrooms on the beach <laughs> but uh they are only good looking on the outside because on the inside they're full of needles and uh you know and they smell real other bad. things they that i don't want yeah. they smell real bad because we may have a problem with uh, no but also the mentally okay, ill we population have, and of course and that i mean it all goes together it yeah. all goes together and it's it's yeah. solvable though. It's solvable. I mean, somebody just I just it's, saw somebody put today that it's 20 billion to deal with the homeless issue, and yet we're gonna send billions Okay, but of that's products. just a again, it, I still think that's a fix-it issue. It's like a band-aid fix on a problem because the real problem is is mental health and and that all comes back to education. Like I think that if we yes, start you, you fixing have to, the education system in America today, it's gonna be 
a couple of generations before we really address. But it doesn't mean we don't start with it all. And we have the money to do it, is my point. We have the money to get people off the streets, to get hired, well-paid health officials, educators. They're out there. They're just not making the money, so they can't do the job, so they're doing something else. It's like everybody's got to start doing Breaking Bad because they don't make enough money. You know, it's, Doing Breaking Bad. Yeah, what exactly. Is, wow. You heard it here first. No, because people... <laughs> are trained for work, but they can't do it. And so there's enough people. I remember one of the things before I left NBC, I was talking to the, my uh, my driver, I was going to a story. And I remember I asked him, I was so frustrated. I had my dream job, but I wasn't happy. And I was living my dream city and I wasn't happy. And I'm like, what is it? So I said, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And as a young guy driving cars and he said, you know, I'd have a funeral home. And I was so shocked. And I said, why would you do that? And he said, well, because I could always take care of my family and I could help people. And it was such mm -hmm. a simple answer. And it stayed with me because if everybody in this world was given the ability to do what they really were called to do, every job would be covered, everybody would be happy and everything would be taken care of. Oh, everybody would be, you know, an astronaut or a TV star. These no, this guy would be. be I, I don't. Think well, that so. guy is an exception, though. Because there are, you talk to so many fucking young people today and it's just, they just want to, there's, they see so many examples of easy wealth now that it's, it's. Well, that's uh, because our society and particularly in America, capitalism, that's all we value. Again, coming to France, people value, you know, the number of people at party, when I say, oh, I'm a writer, they look at me as if I'm, you know, freaking, you know. Hemingway. And I'm like, no, I'm still working on publishing and I'm freelance, but they value my effort. They value it. It's amazing that I'm doing this and what I'm trying to do and what I've done and artists you meet. It's not that you've had shows in your Picasso. It's that you're trying and you're endeavoring that appreciation for so why are spirit. you thinking about moving back? Because it sounds like you've got a really sweet fucking life over here and everyone's no. flattering you like crazy. No, that's not, it's not flattering <laughs> me. It's this appreciation I know, I know. that people yes. have for whatever somebody's, you know, effort is in their, you know, their call. Writing, food, you know, it's it's incredible. So, No, yeah. but really, why are you moving back? Well, I mean, so first of all, I've always been sort of in between. It's just, yeah. um, you know, until the book sells and I have, all the money in the world. You're missing, um, missing home. I miss home. I miss my mom, yeah. my child, and I miss my friends. Yeah. I miss my friends. And Fair. I actually do have to say that after about seven years, yeah, seven years here, between here and the States, I appreciate America. It's like I've come around <laughs> to really appreciating so many of the values and the core things that we're able to do in the States. I thought, oh no, it's so great to be from a quaint French village and this is what you have. It is great. But, you know, when you have the freedom in America to be and do whatever you want without chains, even if your family has a certain religious or, his, you know, historic background, mm -hmm. that is not small. That is actually incredible. And so, you know, the endeavor to make change there and be a part of that, you know, is uh, important, too. But just, you know, being home, people aren't around forever that we love and it's nice to be around That's them and, and to be a part, you know, my friend's kids growing up. And I just I love it, you know. Plus, you know, chef friends. I mean, come on. I came to Paris. I had so many chef friends. Now I have them in the States. It's like, okay. <laughs> Can't only be friends with well, academics you know. and journalists. You know what I mean? Gotta oh, have yeah. The artists. God, those fucking nerds. No, right? I've it's increased. It's got to be so boring. You know? I've increased my artist's uh, roster in the phone. So I'm like, okay, I can go back to America a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, I'll always be international. I'll always, you know, travel. And I'm sure I will 
come back abroad. It's just, there's that saying, you know, if you plant an apple tree, um, don't be surprised when there are no oranges. And I kind of moved here for a year and didn't plan to want to live here. And now okay, I want to live here. What? We fixed that problem. We have oh, okay. trees where you can just splice oh, yeah. in. We have apples and oranges on the same <laughs> this is, tree. Okay, that's this a is problem. American entrepreneurial. <laughs> no, this this is you don't. This is it's not a problem. We just you just graft oranges onto an apple tree, and now you have both. It's incredible. It's true. It's true. We'll this see. is why I America mean, is the greatest country in the world. Come on. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I might still do the <laughs> apples you know, and oranges. Many countries. Yeah, apples and oranges. Um, but we'll see. But yes, I do definitely want to spend more time. And it's an election year and there's a lot of good work to be done. And, uh, you know, people have said to me, oh, you're in France or, you know, Italy is actually my my first love, my heart. I speak Italian. It's my my fave. Um, you, you go to Italy. There's a thing where, you know, when the world's crumbling, it's also kind of nice to be in a place where is your home country and culture and language and things for a bit. You know, yeah. it's nice to have that. I understand why people go back and with you know, war not far in Ukraine and a lot of problems, you know, just everywhere. This notion yep. of escaping it, especially when the rise of far right leaders and, you know, socialist waves. And it's it's uh, it's some serious stuff everywhere where people need to be for the good out loud now. OK, so, so you seem to have a lot of really depressing views on the world. What's depressing? <laughs> well, but, but it's, but, but Leah, it's to be what, reborn. Okay, well, so that's what I'm getting to. What is giving you hope right now? All of it. People like oh, Royce Burke saying that he might oh, actually so. stop saying that he's a capitalist when he's I just, never said you know, that. Not. I don't know where you're getting that. <laughs> I believe in the entrepreneurial spirit. I that's believe... different than capitalism. That is very different. I, that would I, be all. Uh, yes. That okay, is very different. Well, that is very I'm different. I'm not going to get into it with you on the merits of capitalism and all of your hippie shit, but... I, <laughs> or the crumbling state the of the world. Shocked face, it does not the work. shocked it, face over the It does not work. It's right a now. failed, failed system. But the idea, people, people give me hope. People are good. People, There's people just want to work and live. Yes. You know, yes. most, yeah. most people just want to live and work. And I agree. There, everybody is for entrepreneurship. I'm for people expressing themselves. You're a compassionate Some, capitalist. Oh God! Stop with the throwing the c word around. God, enough! I've Whoa! I never said this. You know, I would never call you that. Come on! You did capitalist. Oh, okay, good. I, it's a different c word. I got confused. No, it is. It's the same, but yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but people are good. And again, uh, just bringing it back to the notion of what is happening in our world. The astrology points to all these systems breaking down. We just had Pluto and Capricorn ending. It was about all these structures and seeing how they don't work and serve. And they're massively breaking down. Why? Now we have Aquarius. It's a time of rebuilding. It's a time where structures that aren't strong have to fall. America, why? To get rebuilt. The focus doesn't have to be on the horrible end. It can be, let's fix and make it better. That's what I think about systems. What's working in France? Let's bring it to America. What's working in Peru or other places, let's bring it to America. You know, it's not about, it doesn't have to be uh, a bad thing, change, especially when it's just going to mean more people have their needs met. I mean, to me, it's truly a win-win. Um, maybe it's because I'm not Jeff Bezos and I don't face losing a bajillion gajillions. Um, not to say I might not be, but the point is, 
if people have food, people aren't going to steal people, you know, people talk about borders, especially, you know, Africa, South America, Central America, people aren't leaving their homes because they want to. So this is why these systems changing our values, which again, the astrology points to, it's going to happen. I just vote we do it in a positive way, meeting it forward rather than having it happen in the messy ways of history. This is why, you know, let's learn from what we've done before. And again, people are good. People give and share and want that more than not, which is why the voices. And it takes experiencing. It's, you know, I think America is a very fucking young country and we haven't been through as many, we haven't had, you know, we've only had a handful of wars on our own soil. We haven't been through as much change and upheaval and rebuilding and reinvention as a lot of most of the rest of the world. And I think um, it's, you know, it takes time and it's, you know, I, it's, I think travel is very important. I think people getting a perspective other than the one they grew up with. I mean, that was the first time that my dad ever voted for someone other than a Republican was after he got back from Europe for the first time. Like, so I think, you know, yeah, it's like Mark Twain said, travel is fatal to prejudice. Ah, there you go. Sagittarius. On that, on that incredibly positive note. That is where positive. Can, uh, I know it is. That, that I, is I wasn't, positive. I, that wasn't sarcasm. Okay. Sometimes I say things that sound sarcastic, but I'm being incredibly genuine and heartfelt. <laughs> um, that even sounded sarcastic. Fuck. As you're sitting uh, in this beautiful, you know, framed hotel room. I mean, come on now. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. It's um, so hard. Leah, where can people find you and all of the wonderful work you're doing? Oh, uh, well, thank you. With a beautiful, very unique perspective. <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram at the iNews, the.i.news. Um, I as in what you see with. And I'm 10, on Medium. stories every day. Yeah, and Medium. Yeah. Medium um, is where you can find my articles. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's where you can find me. Fuck yeah. Go oui, check oui. her out. We oui, oui. It's absolutely lovely. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I hope I hope you know people do get uh, more compassionate and you know, and we find a system that actually fucking works. Because obviously, not the one we're we're using isn't working that great. Always a pleasure. Lovely seeing you. All right, talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.